the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the Day Day Show. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Paula and I are back from our really quick trip to California for the Pastors Conference. The business that we had to take care of, and we're thrilled to be back live in the studio awaiting your phone calls and questions. Uh, 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. Uh, if you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can send them in using our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. If you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit one button, call now, and You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Our main number, one more time, is 340-9585. Well, Paula, we made it back. It's a long day of travel yesterday, but we made it back. Yeah. Yeah, you and I, we are like the wimpiest travelers ever. We want to go from San Antonio. And I'm so wimpy, I make you look like a professional. (laughs) Well, of course. But no, (laughs) Uh, from San Antonio to wherever we're going in less than three hours, nonstop, just Put the luggage on, let's sit down, put our seatbelts on, and then we go, and then we land, and we're where we want to be. I do not know. We met some people at the conference from Uganda. She said, that's a long trip. 16 hours in one one leg. One day and then yeah. another nine the next. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> I'm just, I, I told him, if we ever get to visit you in Uganda, uh-huh. have a house for us because we're moving, we're staying. <laughs> yeah. I'm not coming back. That is not one of those, okay, we're going to be here for two days and then we turn around and go back. Yeah, no, we're going to be there a while, but I don't see us going to Uganda. But Lord, you're in control. We'll see. But yeah, two hours and 45 minutes, that's good. Uh, Paula, any thoughts on, on from your perspective of the pastor's conference? I mean, it was... A quick one for us. We didn't get to stay for the whole thing because mm-hmm. of the radio show and other mm-hmm. things that we got going on. But any thoughts? Yeah, you want to share? Yeah, I, I was I was quite encouraged um, because it seemed like well a few years ago. Let me go back a few years ago when we went. Um, it just seemed like so many of them were like angry and kind of. Maybe maybe more, maybe less angry, maybe more disappointed. Um, and even, you know, the speakers were talking about it was kind of like us and they are more like us versus they. And, and this time, um, you can see, I could kind of tell that the Holy Spirit had been working and there was a lot more humility um, and understanding and and. It was directive, uh, you know, like, let the Holy Spirit be God of your church, you know, 
not you, not the ministry itself, um, not what you think things should be like or look like, but really seek the Lord on everything. And I, I like the fact that um, Pastor Sandy Adams was talking about um, the council, the CCA council, you know, the, the old guard, as, as one of them talked about. Um, they don't want to be the pastors of your church. They don't want to come in and try to take over. They don't want to even, we're not a denomination, so it's not about telling you what to do and how to do it other than, you know, the Calvary distinctives. If you were, if you want to be a Calvary, you know the distinctives, just be that. But they don't want to be the pastor of your church. They have enough being pastor of their own church. And so I was encouraged with that. And I was very encouraged with how many people actually showed up. They said this was the, uh, by far the strongest um, early registration in terms of numbers of pastors from all over the world mm-hmm. um, uh, since before Pastor Chuck died. And for those of you in the audience who don't know, I don't want to make this program about Calvary Chapel, but there's a lot of valuable lessons to be learned from this. You know, when uh, your founding pastor dies, um, there, there has to be a plan. And of all the wonderful things Pastor Chuck did, planning for his departure wasn't one of them. I think it was really rooted in two things. Chuck really believed that the rapture of the church would happen yeah. before he died. Yeah. And he thought, well, why plan if Jesus is coming back? Mm-hmm. He was so convinced the Lord was coming back. Mm-hmm. But but Jesus said we're to occupy until he comes. And that means we have to keep doing business as though he's not coming. Mm-hmm. Look forward to his coming, but keep doing business like he's, uh, like, like he's going to delay. And he just didn't do a good job in that one area. And I think um, that caused a lot of um, division, uh, gave opportunity for men to get in their flesh, gave opportunity for the enemy to kind of stir the pot. Uh, and um, uh, it was good to see the excitement back. Um, uh, you know, in, in any church movement that's been around to have three and four generations, as we have, uh, Calvary Chapel was um, uh, started back in the Jesus movement days in the late 60s and early 70s. Um, uh, so when you're around and you're planting churches and kids are growing up and, and taking over for their parents and and uh, the, the, they're having kids now who are growing up through the system, uh, uh, it's easy just to sort of lose sight of who you are. And we at Calvary Chapel, honestly, we, we lost sight of who we were as a movement. Um, I don't think we have in mm-hmm. San Antonio, mm-hmm. but we lost sight of who we are. And Calvary Chapel has always stood for um, the, the, the verse-by-verse teaching through the Word of God. We've stood for uh, exalting the Bible, the centrality of Jesus, a balanced approach to the gifts of the Spirit. And we are charismatic, mm-hmm. so that balance is really important. Uh, we're certainly not reformed in our 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 doctrine, um, and I think as millennials are growing up, and they don't value those same characteristics, Calvary Chapel began to lose its identity uh, in in much of the country, and I think when you lose your identity, people don't know what they're coming for, and um, I, I, it was good to see. Um, uh, an emphasis again on this is who we are. Doesn't mean we're the only ones that do it right or that, that everything we do is right and everything everybody else does is wrong. That's not what it means. Mm-hmm. But what it means is if you want to be one of us, this is who we are. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to be one of us, that's great. Go serve God with mm-hmm. all of your heart. Mm-hmm. But but go serve God somewhere else mm-hmm. or with another group. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think a lot of the younger um, Calvary Chapel pastors uh, sort of forgot that need to hear it. One of the the, the um, emphasis you, you talked about the old guard. Um, you know, we've got guys who've been pastoring for forty six years. One of the guys said, um, he said, "Look, I'm not I'm not a gifted conference speaker, but I've been a faithful pastor for forty six years." Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, these young kids, young young kids, to me, they're kids. I'm I'm the age the old, other guys are, but um, you know, they, they just think, well, why is only old guys talking? 
And well, well, I think in every church movement ever, the old guys matter a great deal. They're the ones whose wisdom should be sought out. They're the ones who've been doing it and have seen the hand of God move. Uh, we're, we're the ones, and I, again, I count myself among these, we're not interested in uh, what church growth experts have to say. We're not interested in the latest movement or fad uh, going through the church. Uh, we're not interested in re-identifying who we are every 10 years. Fads come and fads fade, fade away. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I, for one, appreciated the emphasis uh, not being just on the young people, but hey, talk to these older guys. They've been through what you haven't yet gone through. Um, they've seen the hand of God move. They've been part of a move of God's Spirit. And uh, for me, personally, that was really, really encouraging. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it seems like in our push to try to get young and stay young, um, we, we lose who we are. And that's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, as I was telling you this morning at breakfast, uh, so many of the ladies that, you know, the pastor's wives that I haven't seen because I haven't been going to the to the pastor's wives conference for the last maybe, what, four years? Uh, just because things were a, a little bit uncomfortable. And so I just decided, you know, and I think prayerfully, Lord, you know, to go over there and um, kind of excuse myself along with our pastor's wives from a couple of the meetings and away from a couple of the speakers because they were, it just wasn't right. Um, they were kind of going down the wrong path. And so to spend all of that money, you know, their airline flights, and there's a lot of pastor's wives here now, Um and, and plus the conference fee and, you know, a rental car, well, rental van. <laughs> um, just to be that uncomfortable, it was like, you know what, what can we just do our own thing? Um, and it was kind of like, yeah. And so I asked you, and, and then you, you backed that up. So we've been going, just the 10 of us, 11 of us, for four years now, doing our own thing. Well, so, so to go back. And then that's the other thing. I was, who who can I ask to be a, a guest speaker at our event? I don't know who's going to say or do what. And so I was very uncomfortable. So to go back this time and to see so many of the ladies that I knew um, and to hear them say, oh, Allah, I'm so glad to see you. We've missed you. Uh, and I'm thinking, they're probably been thinking, I wonder if they're still being a Calvary Chapel, have they gone off the rails? You know, kind of. And so it was really um, refreshing to see some of the ones that I, I thought were okay and, and to see that, yes, they still are. And so now I have some, some names put on my list of <laughs> speakers that I can ask them. But, yeah, to see them, again, was refreshing. To see um, a couple of their husbands, especially... Uh, Jim and Janice Arate, because he was really, really sick a few years back, and um, to see him looking and doing so well was a was a huge blessing as well. For me, as far as Calvary Chapel San Antonio goes, we saw very many of our kids who have been sent out from this church. You know, excited and um, there, ready to hear. They're not in the group of, you know, I'm just going to do my own thing. And they were so, they were happy to see Papa Ron, too. <laughs> it was cute. It was cute. Yeah, speaking of that, don't lose your train of thought, but speaking of that, uh, next week I'm going to have uh, Pastor Ellis Goins on the program. Um, for those of you, especially in the Northwest side, he is uh, um, uh, a man has been at our church for a long time, 12 years, I think, and and um, uh, we're sending him out to plant a church in the Alamo Ranch area uh, of uh, San Antonio, the fastest growing area uh, in our city. It's amazing the, the growth out there and the homes that are being built and the schools that are being built. Uh, and, and the people we've had, I don't know, 40 or 50 people that drive every week, yeah. twice a week from that distance. At least twice a yeah. week. And um, um, it, it just it's an underserved part of the community. And... So we're planning a church there, and, and uh, I'll give those of you, especially on the northwest side of town, an opportunity to, to meet uh, Pastor Ellis uh, on the air here. We're going to do that one day next week. I'm not sure which day yet, because 
I haven't cleared it uh, with his schedule, but we are going to be doing that. We're actually going to be ordaining him at our service tomorrow night, and Pastor Ellis will be teaching, uh, so you can watch it at calvaryessay.com at 7 o'clock tomorrow uh, as well. You know, Paula, b- before we kind of change gears, um, and let, let me get phone numbers again, because we've been, I, we we didn't miss last week we were here. It just seems like it we've just been seems gone like a gone lot, on time. Huh? Yeah. Uh, 340-9585, if you have any questions or calls or need any encouragement at all uh, from Paula. Uh, 340-9585. One of the issues that was dealt with, and I don't think it was dealt with um, enough, but one of the issues that was dealt with was, uh, who's the head of your church? Now, when you're looking at a room full of pastors, there's 1,500 of us. There's, I think there's 1,800 an eighty Calvary Chapel mm-hmm. worldwide mm-hmm. with the with the Calvary Chapel Association, mm-hmm. uh, and we're and, and and churches are are popping up and we're we're expanding all the time. Um, uh, again, from all over the world, we get to meet people from from Africa. We get from every continent, really, mm-hmm. uh, and the regional leaders who are there. But the the topic: who heads the church? I mean, who's the the head of your church? And and that was a very important discussion directed at pastors. You see, when when you have a pastor-led church, too often we who are pastors think the church belongs to us. And so we're going to do this or we're going to do that. Others of us are really, really conservative. You know, we don't want to do anything to take any chances or to take any risks. Uh, we, 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 uh, walking by faith is really scary, so people don't do it. One of the, one of the problems you see in churches that look so much like every other church is that they're not doing what God tells them to do. They're, t- they're, they're doing what everybody else is doing, what seems to be working. And the whole idea here is uh, give Jesus a chance, a real chance to, to, to assume his rightful role as the head of your church. Um, it, it's just using us as an example. Uh, we're the only church, um, I believe, in the, in the nation, and, and I don't know anything outside of here, Certainly, we're the only Calvary Chapel, but but I don't know of any other church that has a free school. Uh, is it even possible that, that the Lord would speak to me about having a free school? Now, this is our 20th year of our free school. Uh, it costs a lot of money, um, but is it even possible, Paula, that, that, that the Lord wouldn't have that same vision for anybody else? You've got kids. I got a letter today with a small donation in it from somebody who's... Uh, uh, kindergartner got accepted into school and they were so grateful. Thank you, Pastor Ron, for allowing them into school and for, for getting them off the waiting list. And, and um, you know, we, we, we wish there weren't any waiting lists. We wish that every church um, would have free school. There's just no reason why uh, we got to look at people in our churches, the people who support our ministries with their offering. There's no reason why um, we have to charge for school. There's just no reason. And to go to a church, especially these churches have lots and lots of money, uh, and then and say, well, if you want your kid in our school, it's going to be $600 a month per kid. Who can afford that? I mean, rich people can afford it, but we're not talking about rich people in our churches mostly. And um, uh, my point is, it's just it seems impossible to me that if, uh, and I'll just use Calvary Chapel now, 1,880 pastors would say, Lord, what do you want me to do with your money? What do you want me to do with the vision of the church? It seems impossible to me that God wouldn't tell someone to start a free school. Uh, it seems impossible to me that we're the only church with a free family care doctor's office. We've seen over 26,000 patients in six years, and somebody gets saved there nearly every single day. Um, it, my point is, it just doesn't seem like uh, if Jesus is really the head of the church, that he wouldn't call people to take risks. He wouldn't call pastors to do unusual things and things that would benefit not our bank account or not make our budgeting easy, but would benefit rather the people who come to the church mm-hmm. and be focused on outreach, ministering to the unsaved. And um, I think that's a question that uh, we pastors have to ask ourselves 
all the time. Okay, am I am I running the church? Am I doing what makes me comfortable? Am I doing what's safe? Am I doing what other people are doing? Uh, or am I really saying, okay, Lord, give me vision for this church? And I believe, Paula, that if people, other pastors would do that, I think we'd see a whole bunch more outreach rather than inreach. And I think we'd see a whole lot of pastors holding their breath and on their knees in prayer a lot, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, I think so too. You know, what he had a list of who is, you know, the, the head of your church. Is it, is it your board, your elder board? Is it the big giver? You know, you don't want to make, make him mad because, you know, you got that budget. And if he leaves and takes his money, the budget's messed up. Is it a dominant personality? You know, so he was saying even some pastors, they're, the, they're the, the name, but there's another person who's really pulling the string. Um, and he said, is it your wife? You know, she could just, you know, nag and manipulate you to get you to do things her way. Let me, let me ask you a question. Over the years, how many people have come to you? Wanting you to come change my mind about something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, at the very beginning, I remember talking to one lady saying, I'm not the head of women's ministry. You know, because she, she, she really wanted us to have a separate bank account, women's ministry, that we could just go to, me and her. We could just go to and get the money and use it for whatever we wanted to. I said, that's never going to happen. You know, it <laughs> on purpose. I said, I don't want that kind of responsibility. I'm not supposed to have that kind of responsibility. I'm not the head of women's ministry. I, and, and, and it was Troy at the time. He's not really the worship leader. Pastor Ron's the worship leader. The book stops with him, and I'm good with that. But, boy, yeah, there's been, there's been many people over the years say, you know, uh, you know you can probably— uh, get him to do this or that. And, you know, you are very charming, Paula. Uh, yeah, I might be charming, but I am not going to manipulate my husband. It, it's not going to happen anyway. So, believe me. Uh, so your wife, and then he says, or is it you? You know, are you really the head? Cause, and he started out when he asked the question, we all know in our heads, oh, it's Jesus, but is it really? And then he had this list, and these are just a few that I I got to write down, and then he says, but is it really Jesus? Because if it's really Jesus, our churches, in essence, will look different. Because each pastor, each congregation is unique. We shouldn't all be cookie cutters. Yeah, the, the scriptures are the same, you know, the, the doctrines that are the same, and we should stay faithful to that. But not every church is going to do the same. And not every church is going to have a free school. You know, God's not going to tell everybody, but, but there ought to be even some. ask. There ought to be some. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, Jesus, we don't. Jesus, what do you want to do mm-hmm. with your money? Yeah. These are your people. I'm your servant. Yeah. What do you want to do? Yeah. And it was kind of funny, haha, not, um, as we sit and talk with people and they, they ask, so, you know, what is your church doing? And we tell them about the doctor's office and they say, Stuff like, no money takes that? You take no insurance? How does that work? And you have to say, don't know. It's Jesus. He told us what to do, and he takes care of it. Um, but they scratch their head, you know, and usually we're talking to the pastors. And like yesterday, yesterday, yeah, yesterday um, at the breakfast, one of those pastors' wives happened to get in the elevator with us, and we're talking, and she goes, you're the ones with the free school and the free doctor's office. And we're like, well, yeah. Her husband had told her all about it. Um, And yet, again, have they asked? And, you know, that it's a scary thing. You know, we're doing prayer here at the church now, um, and we'll probably talk about that on the other side. Mm -hmm. But when you pray and you hear the Lord say, do this, go there, Say this, and in some cases, don't say this, or don't do that. It's, it's, there's a choice there, and sometimes it's kind of scary. Paula, we have a phone call. Let's go to Joe calling from San Antonio on line one. Joe, thanks for hanging on. You're on the air. 
Hey, Papa Ron. Hey, Mama Paula. How are you guys? We're, We're doing, doing well, Jill. How are you today? Good. Thank you. I um, Let me know if you get any feedback from my phone, and I'll, I'll, I'll fix it. But, yeah, we, yeah. We, are getting feed, we are getting feedback, Joe. You yeah, sound like you're far, far away. Okay, is that better? Yep, that's yeah. a little better. Thank you. Okay. Okay, um, so my question involves um, authority here on Earth. And I, I had this thing recently where um, I really wasn't sure what to do, but so I know that no authority is on earth except that what, which has been established by God. Um, I wanted to bless somebody at our, at our job, the janitor guy. You know, we never, we always get a chance to, you know, buy birthday cakes and stuff for other people, but never him. So I, I decided, um, you know, hey, let's pick up a collection. Hey, hey Joe, can you hold on a minute? If, if at all sure. possible, please stay on over the break. We just we're coming to a hard break, and um, nothing we can do about it. And I want to get what you're going. Uh, you are listening to the date day edition of the Word to Stand On for Life three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions or toll free eight seven seven six three zero KSLR. We will be back in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back. Thanks for staying tuned through the break. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Let me get back to Joe, who we had to interrupt because of the break. Joe, go ahead. Okay. Um, and I'll try to make this as quick as possible, but That's okay. um, I just had a, <laughs> I just had a question about, um, authority. Um, and so, um, just a real quick background. We wanted to bless our janitor on our, um, floor in our, our, our office building. And, um, I kind of took up a collection, you know, we thought we'll never, we never get a chance to get him a birthday, you know, cake or take him out to lunch or anything like that. But what he does there is very much a part of what we do, and we just wanted to show our appreciation. So, um, you know, a lot of people really um, came out, and, I mean, we collected, like, $120, and that was just starting, you know. Well, somebody had mentioned, asked um, if other floors in the building would want to get on board. So um, I, I said, well, I don't know how to do that. They said, well, get with the building manager and get everybody, the floor coordinators, emails, and, you know, see if, if, if it could be a building-wide thing. And I said, okay, which is, made me uncomfortable anyways, but I went ahead and, and emailed him. He emailed me back and said, Joe, I would ask you not to do this because um, with this janitorial staff, you know, if one of them sees that one is getting blessed and they're not getting blessed, you know, it might be a why not me kind of thing. And so I just to, just to give you a little bit of setup, this guy is not my authority, and he's not the authority over the janitors either. He's just a building manager. And so um, my knee-jerk reaction was, that's silly. <laughs> you know, that's really silly. Um, but I, I thought about it for a while, and I felt the Lord speaking in my heart, because I have an issue in my flesh. I have a real issue with authority, and he, I'm very stubborn. And so he, he, he's working with me, you know, he's working on me and he points out these things in my heart. I'm like, no, I'll do what I want to do, you know? But, um, I came around and I was like, you know what? He's right. I just need, he's not my authority, but this is his wish. So I'll just comply, you know? So I gave everybody's money back. And, um, even the people that were taking their money back, they were upset. They were like, well, we need to give it to him anyways. Let's do something. You know, and so they we came up with the idea of maybe doing like a basket for him for um, Christmas or something, because the building manager wanted us not to give him a monetary gift. That's what he said. So my question to you is um, about spiritual, I mean, about authority, you know, like like I said, he's not my authority and he's not the authority over the um the janitorial staff, but I complied anyways. And do you think I did the right thing? Um, Cause a lot of people disagreed with what I did, giving the money back and not blessing this guy. Yeah, Joe, I, I do think you did the right thing. And let me explain why a couple of things. 
the building manager has inherent authority. It's his property, it's his building, and we ought to do um, what he wants us to do as long as we're in that building. Now, um, um, as you know, Joe, you, you come to our church. Um, I've had so many people over the years uh, come in here and want to take up collections for this or want to start a GoFundMe page for that, and, and they want to get everybody else involved so the activity can do something. Now, I know everybody's heart is in the right place. But you also know that I never let anybody solicit money from the people here at Calvary Chapel. Church has got to be a place that is a, a solicitation-free zone. We don't ask for money. We just let people know uh, in a 30-second announcement that offering boxes are located in the back of the sanctuary. Uh, we never ask for money or let our needs be known. So um, one of the difficult things in our day and age is is somebody gets a good idea and they want to get everybody else in to support the idea. And what I would have done if I were you is um, if, if the Lord put this man on my heart to give him something, uh, I would have taken whatever I could afford to give him and I would have handed it to him privately. And I would have said, just want to thank you for everything you do for the people here. God bless you. I'm praying for you and hand him whatever the amount of money is. The same thing is true. The people that you gave the money back to who disagree with you, um, people like causes. Now, what they ought to do with their gift is they ought to take it to them personally and say, you know what, thank you for everything you do, and I just wanted to, to, to bless you as a result of that. And, and that gives people the opportunity to do what they feel like God is leading them to do in your case or what others just want to do because they're nice people without getting a committee involved. Uh, I, I, one of the hard things that kills me about our church culture is, uh, you know, we, we want to do stuff, but we need an army to do it instead of just doing individually what God has led us to do. I always think of Barnabas uh, in, the, in the book of Acts at the end of chapter 3. I'm sorry, at the end of chapter 4. He comes in and he just, God was speaking to his heart uh, he sold property that he owned and he brought all the money and he laid it down at the feet of the apostles and said, you know, this is for you. Use it however the Lord leads. Uh, and, and they did it um, of their own free will. And they didn't, <coughs> Barnabas didn't require anybody else to get involved. He didn't start a crusade to get everybody else to sell their property and donate. He just did what God was leading him to do. And I think in this case, um, Joe, the the best way to do it is just, you wouldn't have to ask permission or anything else, just go up to a guy and say, you know what, we're so grateful for the hard work that you do for us. I know your birthday's coming up, and I want to give you 20 bucks, I want to give you 100 bucks, whatever it is. Um, I know a big gift is is more meaningful, um, but believe me, a couple of people come to this guy with 20 bucks is a whole bunch better than a gift basket at Christmas. So, that's what I would do, Joe, and um, I just I don't think we should drag anybody else in our fundraising schemes. Uh, we don't do that here at Calvary Chapel, as you know, and I just don't think it's necessary. I think what we ought to do is simply um, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And the, the minute you run afoul of authorities, um, we know we're in a problem. One other word on this, Paul, and then I'll kind of flip it to you. Um, Joe, we all have trouble with authority. <laughs> We all do. That's the big deal. And, and the reason God puts human authority figures in our lives is to teach us to submit to his authority. You know, if a wife is told to submit to her husband, I don't want to submit to him. You know, he's not doing this or he's not doing that. Um, well, well, it's silly to think that if I'm not submitting to my husband as the Lord and told me to do, that, that I'm submitting to God because I'm not submitting to God either. And... Uh, I, I just think our battle with authority is going to go on uh, as long as it takes for Jesus to come back. I think one of the great things about the rapture of the church, getting our new bodies, is it means that we're going to be in a place where we no longer have that battle with authority. Um, you admitted that you have a problem with authority. So here's what you do. You say, Lord, make me a woman who submits to the authorities in my life. And the first thing we think is, no, somebody could take advantage of me. Uh, remember Jesus on the cross. He could have called down 12 legions of angels, but he chose not to. And he did that for you and for me. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate the question very, very much. Paul, do you want to add anything? No. Nope. Okay. Let's go to Jim calling from San Antonio Online. One, Jim, thanks for calling. You're on the air. 
Thanks for taking the call. Glad you and uh, your wife got back safe. Glad y'all came back. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I have a, a situation with a young believer. He's 18 years old, and I've known him for about four years. And uh, he doesn't have a dad in his life. His mom and dad divorced, and so he, he's kind of grown up just with his mom. And he has, I'm using a wordly term, he's, he has attention deficit disorder. He's been diagnosed with that, and he has mm-hmm. meds that he takes for it. And uh, so I, I'm mentoring him, and I'm talking to him, and he has this this habit of interrupting and uh, kind of work with him, and he's applying for jobs, and I'm you know kind of mentoring him like that. When you get in an interview, you, know, you don't interrupt people like but he, he has this habit, and he tells me he, he'll forget. So uh, we were going through a passage in Matthew about uh, not being anxious, you know, and it was difficult to get through it because he, he would think of something that's not really relevant. He, would, he, would, he wouldn't let me finish, and it, I, don't know, I don't know how to handle that. I don't know really what to do. I considered getting a little notepad and say, hey, just write down your, your uh, thought. And then let me finish, and then then you re- repeat that thought you had that you wrote down. And he kind of selfish. He didn't like that idea. We I just I've kind of gone around with him several different ways with that. Um, do you have any ideas? I do uh, actually, and, and this is not uh, at all an unusual situation with kids who have been convinced that uh, that they have no control over their impulses. Uh, Jim, so um, my I would do a Bible study with him on Galatians chapter five, verses twenty-two and twenty-three. Um, uh, the, the the last fruit of the spirit is self-control, uh, and and uh, I, I have very practical experience with this. I worked with a kid at Bible college. Um, uh, this goes back now 20, 26 years, um, and he couldn't sit still in in the Bible studies. He was always getting up and going out and. And I just told him, I said, look, you love Jesus, right? And he said, yes, I do. And I said, well, well, you're distracting other people. You're showing disrespect to the person who's speaking. But I have ADHD and there's nothing I can do about it. And I asked him this question. I said, do you really think that the Holy Spirit is not powerful enough to overcome your ADHD? Do you really think for a moment the Holy Spirit's not powerful enough? And he got angry with me. And two days later, he came back and he said, you know what, I apologize because you were so right. And the Lord's been dealing with my heart. Um, and and this is just a struggle. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. Uh, and that's another good uh, passage to talk with him about. But tell him, look, here's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to teach you how to go apply for a job. I'm trying to teach you that the power of, of Almighty God is available to you at any given moment, at, at on any particular day, and that you can avail yourself of that power. So when you don't want to do something, the Spirit of God will help you do it. He'll take over. And remember, our job isn't so much to teach people how to get jobs or uh, the fact that you're, 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 you're blessing this kid by being a strong, godly male figure in his life is wonderful. But sometimes we have to be really, really direct and just say, here's the thing. If you're going to keep interrupting me, then we're going to stop meeting. And let him understand there are consequences to that willful behavior, and it is willful behavior. And Jim, we live in a time where kids are given. The same thing is true, by the way, with PTSD, and I don't want to be stoned for this. But uh, over the years at our church, so many men with PTSD. I can't get a job. That's why I sit around and play video games all day. I have PTSD and the, the, the VA tells me this and tells me that. And, and we have to constantly ask them, do they really believe in the power of God's Spirit? Yes. Well, yeah, I believe. Well, do you believe that he's not going to be able to take you from where you are to another? Uh, Paula, you've done this with women in our church going through the change of life. Mm-hmm. You went through this years ago and, mm-hmm. and you just said, I refuse to let... Um, menopause, hot flashes, um, dishonor my witness to the Lord. And I think we've got to give the Holy Spirit a chance, Jim, to um, to show his power in our lives. And uh, I, I think it's probably a good time to start talking and praying for this kid to get off the meds as well. Mm-hmm. Paul, do you want to add anything? Mm-hmm. Other than, you know, he's been programmed to think this is okay. And so he, you know, we we had children's ministry for a while and we would have parents come back and say you know your 
our, my son or my daughter comes to your your Bible study, you know, every week. They're there like an hour and a half, Jim. Every week, and mm-hmm. they're not fixed yet. And, you know, I'm talking mostly to the mothers, and I'm saying, yeah, that's right. But got to remember, the other 22 and a half hours they're spending with you, what are you doing? Yeah. Hey, Jim, one other thing. One other thing. Um, uh, these kids who, who have been programmed to, to make excuses mm-hmm. for their behavior, mm-hmm. um, the, the best thing you can do as a godly mentor is to challenge them to trust the power of a resurrected Christ in their lives. And uh, it, sometimes people are going to get angry at you, but that's just the cost of doing business uh, with, with other believers. Uh, challenge them to let the power of God make a real change in their lives. As long as they keep making excuses for their behavior, then nothing is going to change. And either the power that raised Christ in the dead lives in us, or that power does not live in us. And I think challenging, especially young men, um, to, 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 to experience the power of God firsthand is the best thing that we can do. Does that help at all, Jim? Yeah, Pastor Ryan and Paul, those are excellent answers. So I appreciate that. So, yeah, I appreciate the spirit. That's, that's exactly what I need to hear. Thanks so much. Thank you, Jim. God bless you, and thank you for taking an interest in kids. We've got a whole bunch of, of um, um, boys, especially growing up without dads, yeah. in our church. And um, there's so, so many wonderfully strong and consistent male figures in our church that they, they are, are really, really blessed. One other thing I hope that will encourage you, Jim, um, in our free school, from the very beginning, uh, we have made a commitment at the Lord's leading uh, not to let kids uh, take the ADHD medications. Um, And we have kids coming from public schools, and they've been medicated for years and years and years. And we just told them, look, we'll live with the couple tough weeks it's going to be when they're getting off those meds. But we want them to see the power of God. And uh, uh, the kids in our school are are medication free um, for the ADHD meds. They're medication free, and we have seen kids get out of that sort of sort of super stupor like trance that they they're in because of those meds, and thrive. We've seen the joy and the life come back into their hearts and into their eyes, and the kids are just completely different. So, um, I, I think. Uh, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for this, Jim, because I was a kid who, if I lived later than I did, I would have been diagnosed as ADHD. Um, When my teachers simply disciplined me, I had one teacher, Mrs. Arendt, who made me sit on her lap for one whole morning session. Just humiliated me, embarrassed me, but she loved me. I knew she did out of love. And she was a much older lady at that time. Um, you know, for a little kid, I'm fourth grade, and and she's probably my age now. Um, it was so humiliating, um, but I knew I was loved, and um, I had to discipline myself. Kids aren't forced to do that any longer. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Paula, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about prayer today, so while we're waiting for any phone calls, let's do that. Okay. In fact, while you were answering Joe and Jim... I got a title for our prayer ministry. Yeah, you know, because, you know, for the ladies, we always have, you know, it's hidden treasures and sweet summer devotions. Well, for prayer, it's Saturdays in the sanctuary. That is very, that was brilliant, I think. So Saturdays in the sanctuary. Anyway, ever since I think we'll just call it Saturday morning prayer. (laughs) (laughs) But if I do the bulletin one time, it's going to be... Saturdays in the sanctuary. <laughs> um, and so anyway, uh, I, you know, I submit to you, Pastor Ron. So if you just want to call it boring old Saturday prayer, okay. I think Saturdays in the sanctuary sounds way better, especially on a bulletin. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so you announced that we're going to start having a prayer in the sanctuary. Um, you know, we, we had a pretty decent group in our little 5th and 6th grade class. And uh, when we were on vacation, the Lord said, no, you know, I'm going to do something spectacular. And everything starts with prayer. And so it's been amazing to see how many people, 
you know, we have a lot of people who come here to Calvary Chapel San Antonio and then only to have 15 or 20 come and pray was just kind of out of balance. I mean, we're pretty balanced everywhere else, but not in the prayer ministry. And so um, the very first Saturday to there were so many people, I couldn't even tell you who who was and who wasn't there if they weren't sitting close to me. Um, and even the next week and, and just the sense that Jesus is, of course, in the room with us and we've taken seriously that he's going to do something spectacular and we don't want to miss out. And there's the numbers of people who have come and, you know, in James five sixteen, it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's one thing. But the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Well, to hear some of the people come and confess, you know, I really, I pray at home, but I didn't really think this corporate prayer, prayer thing was all that, but the Lord has really convicted my heart. Or, you know, I hardly ever pray, and I'm kind of embarrassed to pray in front of people, but the Lord just prompted me, and so, you know, just to hear them pray one line or two, you know they're stepping out of their comfort zone. And it's honoring to the Lord that, one, they got up on a Saturday morning to get here. But two, that they actually open their mouth and are entrusting God with their prayer request. It's just been an amazing thing. And I, I, I'm really looking forward to this ministry growing because as we serve together, this really becomes, Calvary Chapel San Antonio, really becomes their church. We're more united as a body um, through prayer than most anything, because that's kind of, um, talk about being vulnerable. You know, I, I remember a few times, uh, you know, praying in front of other people. It's like, oh man, hope that won't sound stupid. You know, you're so self-conscious about, you know, and we're worried about what other people might think when we pray or what I prayed or, you know, instead of being concerned with the one we're really asking the prayer request of. You know, Paula, one, uh, by way of explanation for the audience here, um, when we got back from vacation, the Lord had given us a, 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 some direction about um, a, 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 a powerful move, a spectacular was the word that he used. That's why you used it. Uh, a move of his spirit. He wants to use Calvary Chapel San Antonio to do it. Now, uh, I'm, I'm wondering, everybody in the audience know, he wants to do that in your life personally and individually. He wants to do that in the churches that you're in. The problem is that we won't let him. And uh, you said that um, anything God wants to do has to begin with prayer. I would also add, we have to step outside of our comfort zones. Um, you know, worship is called a sacrifice of praise. Prayer ought to be a sacrifice. I think the truth is, Paula, and this is a heartbreaking thing to say, but I think the truth is most Christians really don't believe in prayer. Now, intellectually, we do. We, we understand our need to pray, and we, we prove that by feeling guilty because we don't pray enough. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> if we really believed in the power of prayer, we would be men and women who pray. I challenged my church uh, the Sunday I came back. I just said, uh, how many of you even know have you even taken the time to look and, and know that we have Saturday morning prayer every Saturday morning <clears throat> at ten nine thirty in the morning? Uh, it goes an hour. It's not this huge sacrifice of a day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how many of you even know? And um, the answer was so many people knew, but well, then why are only 15 or 20 people coming? It's because you don't really believe that prayer is going to change anything. And I'm telling you, prayer is going to change you. Um, and I, I, I took that step of faith and God said to move this into the sanctuary so we can accommodate more people and more people have started to come. But, but for you in this audience, um, God wants to do spectacular things in and through your life. But if prayer is just something we give lip service to, then we really don't believe him. And we get a chance to talk to God every Saturday morning together. Now we all do it individually. But 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 the the people that I get to know the best are the people that I pray with, the people whose hearts I can really trust. It's because I've heard those hearts in mm-hmm. prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, how much more, Jesus? And and um, you know you need to be men and women of prayer. I will invite you here. You can come to prayer. We're here every Saturday morning. Paul and I are here every Saturday morning if we're in town, and uh, if not, Pastor Ken and May are doing it. 
Uh, so there's always always prayer at nine thirty in the morning on Saturday. Um, we invite you to do it, but but most churches have corporate prayer. Go now. Nobody should go all the time, Paula. I understand that. We got things to do. There's life. God understands that. Mm-hmm. But everybody ought to go sometime. And if you never get up on Saturday morning and feel led to go to prayer, if you never um, uh, feel led to pray with people in your church, uh, you're not asking the Lord what he wants. And you got to remember, he's in charge of you. So um, doesn't it make sense if you really believed in the power of prayer that you would actually go pray? Saturday morning is my only day to sleep in, sacrifice, mm-hmm. and give God a chance to do something. And 9.30 is not all that early. I mean, come on now. I so did that I, on purpose. <laughs> oh. <Yeah. laughs> uh, you know, it says in Ephesians 6.18, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Um, and pray without ceasing in First Thessalonians. Yeah, and never stop. Never stop praying. And so, you know, all throughout the day while we're walking around, because it's not just, I mean, yeah, come here for corporate prayer, but pray all the time. And, and even when you're, we leave from here, like today we heard a, a report on Puerto Rico, and I was able to say, Carlos, just pray for something big to happen in Puerto Rico, and now it's happening, <laughs> you know, because you hear the other people's prayer and, and you pray with them. Once you start getting prayers answered, you will be a prayer warrior, oh, I yeah. promise you. Hey, thanks for tuning in, putting up with us today. You've been listening to the date, the edition of The Word to Stand Up for Life. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.